Hello and welcome to episode 145 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing all right, Mark. Uh, not the greatest weekend for the Blue Jays, but, you know, they're still in it somewhat. You know, I know some people have different feelings on if they're still in it or not, but that's why we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, it was a doozy of a series over the weekend. We were talking about that LA series, didn't go the way you wanted. You got to come out and win two of three against Seattle, and then it seems like Seattle is this year's Tampa Bay Rays. Like, the Blue Jays always have trouble against the Rays. They're still having trouble against the Rays, but... Just add Seattle to that list. They lost two of three in the first series they played against the Mariners. Now they lose two of three in this series against the Mariners. Jacob, how are you? I wish I was better. Uh, It was not (laughs) a very good weekend series for the Blue Jays. And funny enough, their record is actually pretty bad against the Seattle Mariners at not Safeco Field anymore. But in Seattle, their record is under 500. It's like 20 and 40 or something like that. So the the Seattle takeover is not always the most enjoyable if you're looking for wins but they needed wins this this uh this weekend they didn't get it and well they got one but point is is I'm not as happy about the series as I wish I could be yeah and the one win they did get it was kind of like a last ditch effort like at that point it was you have to win this game and we talk about must win games all the time but that one really felt like a must win game if you get swept by the Mariners when you're in the playoff race, you're trying to make the wild card spot. And then if you get swept by them, the Mariners are going to overtake you in the standings. Like that's just disaster if they win that game. So thankfully the Blue Jays pull out with the last one. Let's talk about the worst loss of that series first. And it was, of course, game one. The Blue Jays are tied 2-2 heading into the ninth inning. They try to score in the top of the ninth. Bravik Valera tags up on a foul out. That goes just over the first baseman. Um, He's called out at the plate, or he's called safe at the plate. They review it. He's called out. A lot of people have an issue with that review. And at the bottom half of the inning, Adam Simber comes in, has his kind of first or second rough outing as a Blue Jay. You bring in Brad Hand. He walks a guy with the bases loaded to lose the game. Um, When we talk about disaster, that's just absolute disaster for the Blue Jays. You can't throw a strike. Um against Jared Kelnick, who's hitting like 150. Like, yeah, he's the number one prospect in baseball, but he's also not having a good year in the majors. Uh, I don't know. That was just absolute disaster. It couldn't have gone worse than that for me or for any Blue Jay fan or for the Blue Jays themselves. Um, Who do you blame for that loss? Because I've seen a couple different schools of thoughts. I think there's really like four pieces you can blame in that loss. The number one, I think is the most obvious Brad Hand. Like he comes in, he doesn't throw a strike. I don't care if you give up a home run right there. It's the exact same thing as walking someone because the base is loaded. You lose either way, you know, just put the ball in play and something can happen. You can get an out maybe, but um, man, just absolute disaster from Brad Hand. So that's the number one culprit. Number two is Luis Rivera. I think deciding to send Bravik Valera in that situation. A lot of people are mad at that decision. You say you got Vladdy on deck you know, trust the guy that is the best hitter on this team this season with the bases loaded. Trust that guy instead of sending Bravik Valera. Um, number three culprit, Charlie Montoyo, for putting in Brad Hand in the first place. A lot of people mad at him, saying he should have gone to Jordan Romano. It's the highest of high leverage situations you could be in. So go with Jordan Romano or really any other guy besides Brad Hand because Brad Hand has not been good for the Blue Jays. And then the fourth culprit is the Blue Jays' offense for leaving guys Um, in scoring position they had a ton of opportunities over the course of the game and we saw it both on Saturday and Sunday as well they had a lot of opportunities 
where they just left guys on base. So those are kind of the four culprits for the loss on Friday. Um, who do you blame? I agree with most of what you said there. Uh, I do blame the offense. Nine left on base is ridiculous, and they had chances all throughout the game to score runs. And the game itself, I mean, it was a, a three to two ball game. Nine left on base. Like that's for a team that's built around their offense. That's a bit ridiculous to me. And number one has to be the offense for not scoring, not getting, not even. They hit. They got on base. I mentioned the bases loaded, but they didn't score, and that's the key. You can have the bases loaded every inning, but as, if you don't get that one hit to score them, you could still lose a one nothing game. And we saw that, unfortunately, happen with the Blue Jays. They, their offense did not pick up where it needed to be. Next, I mean, the bullpen. It has to be Brad Hand and Adam Simber. I mean, Adam Simber started off well getting two outs. Then there was that walk in the... Or the... The, the walks in the... Then the infield single to actually load the bases. I saw a few people, I think it was Buck Martinez on the broadcast, pointed it out. Had that single not have gone directly to Adam Simber, or had he had not played the ball, it probably would have gone to the second baseman. It probably would have ended the inning. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm not going to necessarily say that that play is the reason they lost, because obviously there was other things going on. But it it's one of those things where it, it eventually did lead to a loss. And then you got to blame Brad Hand. Four straight balls, walks the bases, or walks the, the winning run in. And I think that's... <sighs> that's probably the worst way to lose a game honestly like a walk-off grand slam is it hurts but to know that you had a fresh count at a hitter and you didn't do anything meaningful I mean it was bad the one thing that I will say that you didn't mention Mark I blame the MLB review team in New York Bravik Valero was safe I don't want to hear anything other than well, he was safe point is I don't know what angle MLB used to determine he was safe because the way it is obviously we see the reviews on the broadcast MLB looks at all their reviews but I want to know which exact angle they looked at to determine that he was out because if you do that and he is out and you can see that you can see their reasoning then okay fair enough but considering what we saw on the the broadcast Bravik Valero was safe Charlie Montoyo challenged the play to say that the catcher was blocking the plate MLB, it was during the intermission or during the commercial break, so it was extremely quick, and MLB came back and said, no, he didn't. Okay, fair enough. But as Charlie said, it was a tough bleep in play. He was safe. Bravik Valero was safe. And think of it this way. Say he scored, and Guerrero, who is still slumping a little bit, gets out. You're still leading 3-2. to two. Brad Hand's play ties the game. That's still a bit of a different outing. I mean, the, the entire outing or the entire inning could have gone differently, but... That, I think, was... That play, I think, probably is what sealed the deal for the Blue Jays in terms of having a shot at winning the game. And then Bullpen didn't didn't do its job, but it was... Overall, it was a mess. I mean, I, I do agree that maybe Jordan Romano should have been the one in there. I mean, if he if you need an out, it's either Adam Simber or Jordan Romano that you're calling on, and obviously you take out Adam Simber, so it's probably Romano that comes in gets you maybe that out and comes in in the 10th, maybe try to close it out or give you an inning if you need it, even if you're not leading. But it was not the right decision to put out Brad Hand, not in that situation. It was a tough game. Should have been one that the Blue Jays won. They should have been the ones looking to win the series yesterday in in the afternoon game. It shouldn't have been avoiding the sweep. I think they should have been it should have been Seattle looking to avoid the sweep had game 1 and 2 gone differently, but game game 2 in particular, that's one that you can't lose and 
at least luckily i think we're seeing less and less of these over the last couple of months i mean the, in may and april it was brutal the bullpen was just it was atrocious and you were losing so many one-run games at least now we're not seeing as many of those but you still you can't have those you got to be winning you, you got to take these games against division not division rivals but teams that are just below you in the standings not even below you i mean you're looking at the red Sox, the the oakland a's the, the new york yankees you got to make up ground and a lot of players and a lot of key pieces to this team didn't seal the deal for the blue jays and that's why i think fingers are probably pointed at everybody and a lot of people in that situation wait so are you blaming anyone in particular or are you just saying everyone's at fault I think it was it was a bit of a collapse, I think, by okay. the whole team. Like, Brad Hand didn't throw strikes. Adam Simber got a tough jam. The offense overall didn't do its job. I, I don't think that you can necessarily point out one person. Because say Adam Simber doesn't have a bad outing, the offense still left nine on base. And say they lose later. Like, I, I think it was just the entire team not doing its job. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that's wrong with that uh, loss. But in particular, I guess most of it I will blame on both the offense and on Brad Hand. But, of course, the blame goes to everyone. And I think Jacob um, has a good point with all of that because he pretty much went over all or went over all of it. And, yeah, other than that, in things that you can't control, like the video replay, I've seen angles where he's been safe by the looks of it. I've seen angles where he's also looked out. Mark, I know you think he was out. Jacob, I know you think he was safe. See, I'm going <laughs> back and forth, but I'm just torn between, you know, regardless if he was out or safe. But either way... Again, that's something that you can't control, and you can't always rely on video replay to help you win games, and there's no excuse for what happened this weekend. Um, coming off of the Angels series, um, I wasn't too disappointed as I think you guys were, but coming off of this series now, when you look back at both of these series, um, it's it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more frustrating. You finish the road trip three and four, you lose a couple games in the wild card standings, and just you know, a couple of bad losses this weekend in terms of just a bad collapse. We, we're going to talk about the Springer one uh, in a bit, but the first of all for the Friday one, yeah, I mean, just a bunch of things going. Uh, wrong and I've got you know a lot of people also blaming Charlie Montoya like you guys mentioned you know for me maybe I put a touch of the blame on him because in a situation like that I'd probably go to my closer um, regardless of you know saving him for the save opportunity I know that's been um, a time this year where we've actually talked about that a lot there's been so many situations uh, where that's happened and of course now the Jays um, after that loss on Friday uh, are now 8 and 14 in games decided by one run and that's not um, ideal whatsoever and of course you know in a situation like that you bring in Brad Hand who comes in he he throws four straight balls to somebody who's hitting 195 like you mentioned and you know now his also his walk rate uh, in high leverage situations is rose to 8.10 so it's tough because you either go to Brad Hand you have um, a couple other lefty options in the bullpen because obviously that was the matchup that you wanted to go to you had, I guess you had Taylor Saucedo, you had Kirby Sneed, and then you had Brad Hand. You know, somebody who would have been great and ideal for a situation like that could have been Tim Meza, who's been one of their uh, heavy, reliable uh, relievers this year. And of course, he's a lefty, and we all know he's injured, but he's currently rehabbing a AAA Buffalo. So you miss out on him, and you don't really have anybody else to go to other than Brad Hand. If you're going to go on that lefty-lefty matchup, I'm not saying I agree with it because I probably also would have put in Jordan Romano. So it just it was a soul-sucking um, weekend in terms of those two of those three uh, games, it just the way they lost. Um, it really 
really hit hard in terms of that. And, you know, it's just a complete mess everywhere. And, of course, if you want to talk about the offense as well, the offense going, or Jacob mentioning too, they go, they leave nine um, people left on base, leave nine on base. And, of course, you go one for seven with runners in scoring position. So these first two games, uh, the offense was kind of dry and uh, pretty much, you know, just held out of, you know, anything scoring uh, a lot of runs. But, of course, in the Sunday game, they kind of showed up a little bit more. But, it's also kind of strange how they did show up after they lose one of their best hitters. It's just, um, it was an odd weekend all around. But yeah, for those first two games, not a lot of runs going in as well. And that's why it's just kind of a thing where everything is kind of at fault for what happened. And for that not, for that game on the Friday, you walk in the winning run. And, um, you know, just looking at the, the standings as well throughout the weekend, it felt like every or all the teams ahead of the Jays won, except for yesterday when Oakland lost. You know, Boston swept Baltimore, the Yankees were winning, and that's what also makes it more stressful is when you're scoreboard watching and you're the only team that's losing on that one night, and that's why that, you know, just adds to it this weekend. So, you know, not not a great weekend overall. You go 3-4 and four on the road trip. Now you have a couple games uh, starting Tuesday and Wednesday in Washington against the Nationals. A pretty good opportunity to get a couple games back, maybe, or you hope that, you know, the teams that... The Red Sox, the A's, and the Yankees are facing. Hopefully, it can help out the Jays a little bit. But of course, you can't always depend on that as well. So that's why, just um, you know, a weekend in terms of something where it was underwhelming. And overall, now throughout the West Coast, I know the Jays don't typically do well in the West Coast, but in a situation when you're fighting for a wild card spot, you're fighting for games in the standings. Um, it's inexcusable from what happened this weekend. So um, just everything kind of in terms of Friday melting down. But in, in particular, uh, you have the offense, and you have you know, maybe Jordan Romano pitching in that situation instead of Brad Hand. And then you have Brad Hand himself this year, who hasn't been uh, that sharp this year compared to what we saw last year. And he comes in in a high leverage situation. He walks four or he throws four straight balls and uh, walks in the winning run. So that's why you can blame a lot of people for what happened this weekend. Yeah, I think I'm with you where, I mean, like both of you, where it's not the two people that I don't blame, Charlie Montoyo and Luis Rivera. Like Charlie Montoyo, like, yeah, maybe you could have gone with Jordan Romano, but at the same time, like, Brad Hand has got to throw a strike. It's not that hard. Like, you're being paid $10 million a year to just throw a strike. That's all you need to do. I don't care if, like we said, like he hits a walk-off single, walk-off grand slam. I don't care what he does. You're down 3-0, throw a fastball right down the middle. It does not matter what pitch it is, what he does with it, as long as it's a strike. Because um, the alternative is losing the game. So, Brad Hand's is totally at fault there, not Charlie Montoyo. And on Luis Rivera deciding to send Bravik Valera, yeah, I thought he was out. Like, I I don't know what camera angle you guys are looking at, but to me, it looks very clear that he is out. It seems pretty obvious that the glove brushed Bravik Valera's arm, but at the same time, I don't blame Luis Rivera for sending him home. Like, yes, it's a pop fly just out of the infield, but at the same time, the ball is taking the first baseman away from the plate. Um, the Mariners would have to do everything right in that situation to get Valera out. And who knows? Like we said, Vladdy has been slumping. It, there's no guarantee that he gets a hit or a walk there to drive in a run. So um, that's why I don't have a problem with Luis Rivera's send. I don't have a problem with what Bravik Valera did. I just think he was out. <laughs> um, I know you guys disagree with me, and I know a lot of fans disagree with me, and it's an unpopular opinion, but I think he was out. I don't think that cost the Blue Jays a game, though. I think it was Brad Hand and other times during the game where the Blue Jays left guys in scoring position. So ultimately, that's why I blame for that loss, especially Brad Hand. I just, I know I said it before, but I just can't believe how he couldn't throw a strike. Like, 
It's not that hard. I don't care if you have 8.1 walks per nine innings in high leverage situations. Throw a strike. It's it's not hard. <laughs> like throw a fastball right down the middle. Um, it's not a difficult thing to do. So, um, yeah. Ultimately, I put all the blame on on Brad Hand and some of it on um, leaving runners on. But man, Brad Hand has got to be better than that. I don't know where the Blue Jays go from here with him. Like you, after a situation like this, you can't trust him with anything. I don't think. And we were hoping that the Blue Jays could work him into high leverage situations and have him be a big part of this bullpen. But after an outing like that, I know he appeared in, I think it was the final game of that three game set against Seattle. But like, I don't know how you trust him at all now. After a performance like that, like, what do you do with him? How do you have the guts to put him any game that's, you know, like four runs or closer? I just, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, I know I'm going to get some hate for my opinion on that Bravik Valera play, but anyways. See, the the thing that I am surprised about is the call was initially safe, and we know that in order to to overturn a play, you have to be 100, not even 100% sure, you have to be 110% sure that the play or the call on the field was wrong. I don't think that you have that. It was close. Maybe you can argue for, from certain angles that he was safe, but... I don't know. I, I I do think that e- even if it's close, it still should stand. The, the call should stand as safe. And Bravik Valera should have scored, and it it bothers me. But with Brad Hand, at least he did throw a scoreless outing in the last game. He, a third of an in- or one full inning, gave up a hit and two strikeouts. But as of right now, I mean, you're at the point where do you, can you throw him in high leverage situations? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean... You have a series against the Nationals, and then they come home, I think, to play the Tigers, White Sox. They have a couple tougher opponents on that homestand. Maybe he doesn't get used in those situations, or unless it is a blowout game, or not even a blowout, but a game where it's it's very one-sided. But I think the problem with that is, and, and I agree with it, but the problem is, is he's a guy that you've brought in with the hopes that he can be one of those cornerstones of your bullpen. And going down the stretch, you know, you can't rely on the same two or three guys all the time. So with Brad Hand... Uh, he has a short leash for me. I still would give him a shot if it's maybe two or three runs between the, the two teams in a game, but he's going to definitely need to turn things around really quickly because he had that bad outing against, I think it was Cleveland, his first outing as a Blue Jay, where he gave up the home run. Now it's he, he faced one batter, but he threw four balls, and really none of them were close. He's going to have to turn things around if the Blue Jays want to want to keep him around and want to use him down the stretch, and even in the playoffs, say they use him or they make it to the wild card game. I don't think he's used, honestly, at this point. Like he's really gonna have to turn things around because, you know, when you bring in guys to help your bullpen and they struggle, it's definitely very concerning. And so, looking to see maybe a complete 180 from Brad Hand going into this uh, last two games of the road trip and then the homestand. Yeah, and you know, it just comes down to the fact that he was probably the best lefty option they had and they went with him because again, Tim Mesa's another one who's been one of those guys that they didn't, you know, wasn't available for them and that's one of the reasons for that. But, you know, I want to ask you guys too, it's just like from what I said at the beginning, do you not think maybe Jordan Romano should have been in instead? And then the second thing I have for you guys is now we're going to talk about or I'm going to mention Saturday is not you know the highlight of George Springer going down, but the way it was kind of the bullpen was handled with Hunjin Ryu after he was pulled. Do you think he should have been pulled? 
Or, you know, because a lot of people also thought they should have let him finish the inning. And we all know what happened after uh, he was pulled when Trevor Richards came in. Um, and then we know from there it was pretty... It was a pretty significant significant collapse there in the seventh inning from everything that happened. So there's a couple things there where you question the decision making if certain guys should have been thrown in and maybe you know just using a different reliever in a situation like bringing in your closer in terms of that. Or do you agree with how both situations were handled from what I mentioned this past weekend? Um, like I said, I don't really mind putting in Brad Hand instead of Romano. Like maybe if you're doing the situation over, you put in Brad. You obviously don't put in Brad Hand if you like know what's gonna happen. Like that's obvious. But I, I don't know. The expectation is you can get one out, like, or you can throw a single strike. Like I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's just it's ridiculous that Brad Hand couldn't do that. And like at some point, like you got these guys in the bullpen, you have to trust them eventually. I don't blame Charlie Montoya for doing that. Um, on Saturday, it's a little bit more complicated. Like, yeah, it's it's a what a one run game at that point when he puts in, um, uh, when he takes out Hinjin Ryu and puts in Trevor Richards. Um, like, yeah, it's a high leverage situation. Yes, you want to see your best pitchers in that situation, but again, I think like Ryu at that point in the game, when once you get into the sixth, seventh inning, it's going to be a short leash. Once these guys starting seeing you two, three times through the order, they're going to start hitting you better and you want to, you know, be careful about how long you keep your starting pitcher in there. I don't disagree with the the quick pull. Um, maybe you go to someone else instead of Trevor Richards, but then again, Adam Simber pitched the day before. Um, Jordan Romano, if you pitch him in that situation, you won't have him in later innings. So again, that's the logic of keeping him in the tank for higher leverage situations, but I don't know if there is a higher leverage situation than that. So, um, I don't know. Like, to me, this doesn't stand out as one of the most glaring issues of Charlie Montoyo's management. Like, you can look at games like that Cleveland game, um, not this last series against Cleveland, but the first series against Cleveland where, you know, he kept, um, he wasn't warming anyone up in the bullpen um, and kept, who was it? Um, Tyler Chatwood. Chatwood in. Yeah, he kept Tyler Chatwood in. Like, that's a pinnacle example of. Montoyo screwing up and you look at the I think it was the last game of the Boston series when they were at Fenway and puts in Rafael Dolis instead of Jordan Romano in the ninth inning after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ties it up that's another pinnacle example of Charlie Montoyo screwing up um these might be examples of him screwing up but I think it's on a far lesser scale and you there there's a lot more problems with this game than Montoyo's decision so I don't blame him for this mm, I don't either I mean the thing with Ryu He's expected to be the ace of the staff, but he, he just, he has not been the ace this season. He was good at the beginning. He, he was fantastic, you know, sub two ERA, sub three. It's, he's not been that good, not as good since then. I mean, his ERA is now up to 372. I would, at that point in the sixth inning, or in the seventh inning, excuse me, after completing over six innings, I would have, I, I probably would have taken him out. I mean, you know, the bases are loaded probably probably the better option to take him out and I mean if it worked then Trevor Richards would have been a savior and Charlie Montoya would have been a genius but unfortunately it it just it didn't work and you know it's probably on both of them I mean with Ryu maybe you, you can not have the bullpen come into that situation but also in the bullpen maybe you can you know not allow as many runs to score but I I, I don't it's just, I think it's just tough luck, honestly, at the end of the day. Both of the, 
the guys that were supposed to do to get guys out didn't do it and it's just that's that's all I think that it really is I don't I don't fully blame Montoya on that yeah it just it was something that was highlighted but yeah you can see it from both ways and someone like Hunjin Ryu who has been declining in terms of his numbers you know do you trust him if you keep him in you know it's obviously um something different than leaving Robbie Ray and or somebody else like that but you know just overall a Definitely a high disappointment uh, this week and coming off of, what, a 3-4 and four road trip. And now, you know, I think people are, you know, looking at numbers again. And for the Jays to possibly get back into a playoff spot or in terms of a second wildcard spot, they need to go on a massive run. And, you know, you have 10 games coming up against Baltimore. You have teams or you have games against teams under 500. You know, some people saying you need to go like 30 and 16. You know, it just it's it's interesting to see or, you know, nobody really knows what's going to happen here from here on out. But this weekend definitely kind of put a halt to all the hype in terms of entering the road trip. I think everyone was kind of at a different level of excitement. And now, you know, kind of a little bit of a reality check this past weekend for what happened. But, you know, there's time to recover still for those who don't think um, the Jays are going to make the playoffs or the season's over. And the people who are probably assuming that are the same people who probably thought or were saying at the time that the Jays should sell. So, you know, it's interesting to see how people are, or not even, just kind of weird, how people are kind of writing it off already because, you know, four and a half games back, yes, it's not ideal, but it's something you can make up within the next couple uh, days for sure. And you have a series coming up against someone you're chasing like the Athletics. And, of course, you have the games against Baltimore, like I mentioned. You have the Yankees again a few times. So it'll be quite um, – it's going to be a big couple or weeks ahead in terms of the rest of August and September. So, you know, for people freaking out, they're not out of it yet. Um, and, of course – Lots of hurdles this past weekend that happened in terms of losing someone like George Springer. But either way, people are needing to step up. And I think some people have. And for some reason, whenever Randall Gritchick or whenever George Springer's hurt, Randall Gritchick seems to like kick it to another level. So you have him doing that. You have Teoscar Hernandez, who also had a really good weekend. You know, you have you need these guys to step up. And also for Mark as well, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a pretty good weekend, if, if I might say. He was robbed of a home run on Friday. And of course, he had a couple good games in terms of some solid base hits this past weekend. So, are you um, ready to say that he is out of the slump? Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that. Like, he's still, in it, he what went what three for five, but he had three singles, I think. So, I don't know if he's out of the slump, but he's definitely like he's turning it around, which you love to see, and it's obviously a big thing for the Blue Jays. And you know, if they're missing George Springer, having Vladdy be who he was at the start of the season is going to be huge, but. Man, Teoscar Hernandez, like, he deserves all the awards for the Blue Jays right now. He is doing something ridiculous. Like, his batting average on the season is 313, which I think ranks fifth overall in the American League. And he is creeping up into the conversation for batting title. And this is someone who has a lot of power as well. He has an OPS of 881, OPS plus of 137. So, he, it's, it's not like he's, you know, hitting all singles or hitting all doubles. Like, he is... A power hitter. He had a home run, double, and single in back-to-back games. Um, at a time when Guerrero was slumping, when Springer is, you know, headed to the injury list, maybe or at least out for a few days. Um, what Teoscar Hernandez is doing is crazy. Like I said, back-to-back three-hit games um, over the last uh, seven games or eight games, dating back to August eighth. He's gone seventeen for. 32 with three home runs, two doubles, 12 RBI, only six strikeouts over that span, hitting 531 over that span. Um, just ridiculous numbers from him. And 
the numbers that he is putting up is so essential for a team that, um, you know, you're not getting the production from the places you expect. Um, and to have Hernandez step up and put up another banner season after what he did last year, it's just, it's insane. And you love to see what he's doing. You love to see him carry the team offensively. Um, you gotta be super, super pumped up with what he's doing. See, this is why the Blue Jays need such a deep offense. Teoscar Hernandez has probably been their most consistent hitter all season, with the exception of maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, he's had a Guerrero had a fantastic first half of the season, sort of been up and down second half, but basically ever since Teoscar came off the IL, he's been on a tear. And just this series alone, seven for twelve, a five eighty three average. As you mentioned, he had two walk or two two doubles, home runs, three RBIs, and a stolen base, which pretty productive over three games, if I must say. And one of the things I think is interesting, he's hitting three thirteen over the season. He is now one is it a thousandth? He's like point zero zero one behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s overall average of three fourteen. So he is easily is their best hitter right now, has been probably their best hitter for the I would say maybe the last two years dating back to 2019 or 2020 excuse me he's easily he's just been he's so productive he's getting things done and he's kind of doing it quietly I mean you think about all the the big names of Springer hitting over 400 on the homestand Bichette's hitting almost 300 I think it's like 295 or two or something like that Guerrero still hitting over 300 you know Springer uh, Simeon all these guys but nobody really mentions Hernandez just because there's so many names but he deserves recognition easily easily been one of the Blue Jays best hitters and at a time where they need offense Bo Bichette went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts in that last game against the Mariners Hernandez comes up he's you know he's driving runs in he's being productive it's this is why you have the lineup that you have and he could easily be hitting second or third in probably any lineup in baseball only reason why he's hitting lower in the lineup is just because the Blue Jays also tend to have three or four other guys that could do what he does. But yeah, I mean, kudos to him. I mean, he's doing everything Blue Jays fans wanted him to and more. And I mean, last season he won the Silver Slugger. He was among the league leaders in home runs. And the one thing people would, were saying was, is this consistent or, or can we expect this consistency over a full season? Like, is the 2018-2019 Teoscar Hernandez where he was swinging at outside pitches, hitting in the low twos or 200s, is that more realistic or was the 60-game Teoscar Hernandez just a condensed version of what he truly is? And I think last year was probably an indication of things to come. He obviously started off a little slow, went on the COVID IL, came back and has been he's been amazing. I, I just, I don't think there's really any other way to put it. He's, he's just, he's he's hitting balls everywhere I mean that's that's the good thing and he's just he's driving in runs and he's just he's being one of those one of four or five cornerstones of this lineup and and to to have him plus three or four other guys that can do that I think that that really shows just how good the Blue Jays have developed him and other guys like him and I think he definitely is somebody if he stays for longer than the next couple seasons I think he's arbitration eligible either this year or next year within the next couple years if he can stay on this team for a long time, he easily could be part of that World Series winning team that we hope to be seeing in the uh, next couple seasons. Yeah, he's just been a main piece of this team, and he's been quietly having a good year, like you said. This this road trip, though, he seems to have done it all. He hits his first career Grand Slam earlier on in the road trip. And, of course, just the turnaround that we've mentioned before, 
over the last 162 games, I believe I have it here, an OPS of 881. And even in the outfield, he's been, um, you know, improving everywhere. So it's been a complete turnaround for him from what we saw back in 2019. And I believe his home run, too, um, on Sunday, which was yesterday, I believe it was 111.5 miles per hour for the exit velocity. It just... Crushing balls left, right, and center, no matter you know where it's going, um, turning into a better outfielder like I just mentioned, and he's just a main part of this team. He's hitting in the middle of the order, and he has had a qu- quietly um, a very good season, just kind of hitting behind or be- I guess in the shadow of like the main guys like Guerrero, Bichette, uh, Springer, and all that. So yeah, he steals the show this weekend, and it's something that they need for the time being as well, especially with Springer out. These guys need to step up if they want to stay in this playoff race. And that was a good example from what we saw with Tay Oscar. And now you just hope that they continue to click within or within the next two games in Washington. And then hopefully at some point next weekend, George Springer is back and everyone continues to hit like they were or in, like Tay Oscar Hernandez was like um, Loris Gurriel Jr. was this past weekend or even this past road trip to the West Coast. So it's good, very good to see. But yeah, the centerpiece of the offense the past couple of days has definitely been Tay Oscar Hernandez. And he's had no signs of slowing down in terms of his turnaround, in terms of his season, quietly having um, a breakout season and just becoming an elite offensive hitter all around. Mm-hmm. And just that update on um, the uh, the leaders in the American League for batting average. Hernandez is indeed fifth, hitting 313. Like you said, one point behind Guerrero, who's hitting 314. And then um, Yuli Gurriel, the Astros, 318. Cedric Mullins of Baltimore, 318 as well. And then Michael Brantley leaving, leading the way by a good margin with a 332 batting average. But Hernandez is creeping up there. Uh, what he's doing over the last little bit has been insane. And as we mentioned, it means even more... With Springer out of the lineup right now, of course, we saw during this series against Seattle, he jumped up against the wall, landed awkwardly. He ended up leaving the game in what we now know is what a left ankle sprain. Is that the official word from the Blue Jays that we're getting? Um, Who knows how serious that'll end up being, but that's what we know right now. He's day-to-day as things stand now. We all know how day-to-day goes with the Blue Jays, but I guess they're hoping that they can get him through their series against Washington. Maybe we see him back in game action on Friday. Um, If it turns out to be a little bit more serious than that, maybe you place him on the IL and it's retroactive, of course, to Saturday or Sunday um, was the last game that he didn't play. So, um, I don't know. This could be very bad for the Blue Jays, to put it mildly. Like, We've all seen the stats of the record of the Blue Jays with Springer and without Springer, and they are vastly different. And we know this team started to turn things around when Springer returned and really started to become who we knew he would be when he returned to the leadoff spot in the lineup. So having him there is so, so important. And losing him at a time like this when you're really making a playoff push, it could be devastating to the Blue Jays' odds. I don't know if this is a totally analogous... um, uh, comparison, but you look at the the Mets right now with Jacob Degrom. They have lost Jacob Degrom for at least a little bit. I think he's checking in with more doctors today. He's being reevaluated. They could lose him for the rest of the season. Um, it seems like that's the same type of significance as losing Springer is to the Blue Jays. Like if the Mets lose Degrom, I think they're in second place right now in the NL East. They're probably out of it. Um, just because how pivotal DeGrom is to their season. I feel like it's the same thing with George Springer. If we lose him for an extended amount of time, that might be it. Like at that point, you maybe can just push all your chips in and say, 
hey, we're out of it at this point because Springer is so essential to this team and such an integral part of this team when they're winning that I feel like losing him is going to be such a crushing blow. So all this to say, let's hope he gets back at Friday. If he's out, uh, yikes. That's that's really all I can say. Is he, you know, you talk about how they have the Blue Jays have such a deep lineup. It can't, you can't keep taking guys away from it and expect it to be as good as it is. Like Guerrero slumping, you that's one. You can't lose Springer as well. That'll just it'll destroy the lineup. I think. I mean, you still have Simeon, I guess, who can hit leadoff. His his average has dipped a little bit. Still good, two seventy two, but it has dipped a little bit since he was in the leadoff spot. At least you have him, but that's not George Springer. That's not the guy that you have signed for five more seasons. That's that's the best way I can put it. Is George Springer? I'm hoping it's not an IL stint, or or if it is an IL stint, just one stint. And you make it retroactive to the weekend, and then comes back in uh, maybe if it's been two or three days since since the since the retroactive date. Maybe you can come back in a week if that's all it is, or maybe two weeks if you include rehab. If if they cho- choose to go that path, okay, that's that's whatever. You know, you go into September. You have Springer who can who can provide you with some offense, but if he's out for two or three or four weeks, you know, maybe the majority of what's left of the season, they're probably not making playoffs. I, I think that's reasonable. He's a good hitter, good defender, but more importantly, he's more of a he's a good clubhouse guy too. I think it's very obvious. He's made his way to the to the back end of the dugout with Guerrero and Hernandez and all those guys. He loves to be here. If he's unable to play, I think it will it will drastically just eat away, I think, at the team's morale and, they, and on the field too. You're not getting the, a guy who is going to hit in the high twos, close to threes, is going to hit you home runs. I mean, in less than, a, I think, a third of a season, he's already hit as many home runs as some of the guys like Gurriel have hit throughout the entirety of the season. And I think that really shows that, that George Springer is one of the premier hitters in baseball. And all the Blue Jays can afford to do is hope this is a couple weeks or a couple days to a couple weeks at absolute max if it's more than that i think that their chances are probably done you know it's been a disastrous i think first season as a blue jay for george springer in terms of missing the first pretty much the first full half of it maybe you you expect next season to be the the turnaround and if that's the case i mean it's not a good good scenario to happen but if it is then that probably means this season is going slowly down the drain and the Blue Jays will maybe make a run for it maybe have a shot but at the end of the day they probably they'll they might finish over 500 I mean I think that's realistic but they won't be one of those premier teams in the AL East or the American League in general if their leadoff hitter and their one of their best hitters is not there yeah, I wouldn't call it disastrous, but just be, you know, he's had obviously the bad luck within the injuries, but then when he's been healthy, uh, it took him a month to get going, and he quickly became the hot one of the, or if not the hottest hitter in baseball. Uh, he was American League Player of the Week for two straight weeks. We all know the story, like Mark mentioned, with the record with or without him. They need him, quite frankly, and if he's not back by Friday, I think that's when the level of concern increases significantly so the, i mean time's gonna tell i think it's pretty favorable in the schedule for the, something like this to happen you have two off days you have monday and thursday off and then of course friday is the start of a homestand with detroit and that'll be one of or even some point during the weekend that'll be a deciding factor or a crucial point for you know where he's at in terms of his recovery how bad it was but 
you know, I don't know if what you guys saw it, but when you saw it live, you know, I thought it was like bad, like from, you know, looking like he destroyed his shoulder from looking like an ACL injury, like, or something with his knee. At one point I thought it was his Achilles. It was just, it was bad. And then of course you see pictures of it after you see videos of what happened with his ankle. And then that's when you say like, what you know, that's when the concern hit because with the ankle, you never know what the ankle in terms of a sprain, you know, I don't it, realistically too. It's not like, the, I feel like it's not like the Jays are lying to us in terms of, or even keeping information about, you know, when he'll be back. I think there's flat out uncertainty when he's going to be back. Cause we all know how sprains work. It is truly day to day. You know, he could be feeling worse than he did two days ago today. I know they say, or they said that he felt better yesterday. So that's a pretty much a wild card in terms of spraining your ankle for people who have before, but you know, it definitely looked a lot worse than what I, or from what it looked like at first, it looked worse. And, you know, I think they're lucky to come away with the sprained ankle, but you know, just overall in terms of how good he's been when healthy, um, it's just, it's bad luck. And it's unfortunate to see, you know, somebody like him go down again in a completely fluky, you know, way it was such bad luck. And it was just like hitting the wall in the worst possible position, everything like that just, pretty much occurred in that play and then you know the one thing too I think Buck Martinez mentioned it um, yesterday is the problem now is even when he comes back you know how long is he going to need to get going again and that's another question that you have who knows I don't think it's going to take a month like it did last time but because he's, he's not going to miss nearly as, as much time as he did early on in the season but you know not everyone is Fernando Tatis when coming off the injured list and hitting home runs left right and center right away you know, a lot of people like George Springer, who have shown it this year, need a, a, a few at bats to get going, and need a, need some time. So, you got you're gonna have to need him to try and get back on it right away. That's asking for a lot, but who knows how long it takes him for that. And yeah, the the record difference when he's been in the lineup for them and when he hasn't been in the lineup for them is completely substantial. It's completely different. They're pretty much a 500 team without a minute. And then, of course, with when he's in it, they're way above 500, and they're a much better team. It's a much better look. You see the lineup with him. You see the lineup without him. You have Marcus Simeon hitting leadoff without him. You have Bo Bichette back in the two spot, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the three spot. And then when Springer's in the lineup, you see him leading off and Simeon batting second or third, Bo Bichette hitting cleanup. cleanup. It's a completely different lineup, and it moves everybody down one, but it just it's a different team without him. And I think we've seen that, you know, a few times this year, we didn't really get to see it on early on in the season because he was never ready from the start of opening day. But from the time where he has been in the lineup throughout this, these last two months and the time where he wasn't earlier on, you can see the massive difference he makes and you can see his bat, the energy he has. And that's why it's definitely concerning as we speak right now. But I mean, the only thing that you can come away with it right now, as we head into or this series against the nationals, because we definitely won't be seeing him. The only thing you can really do at this point is be optimistic, and that's the only thing you really can do. And that's why it's going to be important to see what happens on the weekend because you have a bit, very important homestand coming up, and you can't fall out of it right now. You're four and a half games out of a wild card spot. It can change just like that because we know we know that from the start of the road trip where they were almost two and a half games back, they lose two games. It can change. It can either get really good or it can get worse from here. They've been 500 the last 10 games. They've been 5-5. Five and five. It's going to be, you know, who knows what's going to happen from here. But, you know, they're not out of it yet for people who think they are. And that's why, you know, I'm not ready to give up on the season yet. But if this Springer thing drags on, I think it could be, you know, a deciding factor if if it really is over for them this year or not. So that's why you hope he's back, hopefully Friday at the earliest. Well, let's look forward to what happens from this point on. Because, like you said, people are panicking. Some people are panicking. Some people saying... Jays won't make the postseason, and 
you know, maybe that's panicking. Maybe that's an honest assessment. Um, as we stand now, four and a half games back of the second wild card spot. Um, they're two games back of New York. Um, one game ahead of Seattle, like you said, five and five in their last 10, 63 and 54 overall. Um, the postseason odds for them on fan graphs, on baseball reference, on 538, they're not great. Um, 538 and fan graphs both put it around 31% chance to make the postseason. 31.6% um, on fan graphs. Um, 538 doesn't do decimal points, so it's just 31%. You look at baseball reference, it's a bit better. There are 44.3% chance to make the postseason. Um, that's a one-day improvement of 7.6% from what it was at the start of yesterday before that loss um, or before that win to Seattle, sorry. But you look at the 18, uh, the change over the last seven days is negative 18%. So they've lost 18% chance of making the postseason over the last seven days, just based on their bad run against Seattle and against Los Angeles. Um, maybe this is a hot take, but I think if George Springer goes to the injured list, the Blue Jays have no chance of making the postseason. Um, I think they're out of it if that happens, because like we've said, he's so essential to this team and if you lose him, not only is that a huge impact off the field, his impact in the clubhouse, his impact on momentum of the team, I think you're screwed if you lose George Springer for to the 10-day IL. Even if it is really just 10 days, I still think you're done. And I hate to say that, but I think this is huge for the Blue Jays. Um, and I already think, like to be honest, it's a long shot as is. Yes, you have a 31% chance according to these websites, but four and a half games is a lot to make up. Yes, you have a month and a half left of the season, but this is different than the division. If you were four and a half games back in the division, you have those head-to-head -head games. And yes, the Blue Jays have head-to-head -head games against Oakland. They have a couple of games left against the Yankees. Um, but it's more difficult than making up ground in the division, and there's more teams in the way in the fact that even if you sweep that series against Oakland, you know maybe they're tied with Boston then for the second wildcard spot, or maybe they bump down and the Yankees take that wildcard spot. There's just a lot of teams in the way that I think this is difficult and the odds are slim as is. I think if you lose George Springer, it's over. So that's kind of a pessimistic view of it, but that's kind of where my mind is after this series. And yeah, it's probably going to change because the Blue Jays, knowing the Blue Jays, whenever they're on the brink of falling apart, they seem to rattle off some good wins. They're probably going to go two and two against uh, take two of two against Washington and then you go back home and you got that momentum again. So I don't know, but this is kind of where my mindset is right now. I think their odds are slim. If they lose Springer, they're totally out of it. Well, take this in the blue Jays a couple of weeks ago, maybe just over two weeks ago, come home to Toronto for the first time, acquire Jose Barrios, acquire, or they, they get George Springer back. He's finally hitting at the level they they want him to. They have a 10 game homestand that they go nine and two on and now they lose George Springer. Bullpen is sort of collapsing again, and they're losing games. It's just, it's 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 very disappointing, but also entertaining just how weird baseball can be and how you can go from being the, the best team in baseball to very, very questioning, or questioning how good your odds are to make the playoffs. But if Springer, I'll go back to what you are saying, if Springer is not on the the team, he's not playing... He's he's on the IL not playing. If it's only for ten days and he comes back maybe 
seven to ten days after that after a rehab or whatever it is like if he's out for maybe 10 to 15 days i i think it still would probably change their playoff odds to zero because say they lose most of those games or they go 500 that's going to probably make their their games back six or seven and at that point that's probably unrealistic to come back from so to people wondering why we're kind of saying that you can even if you have say 30 games left in the month of september if you lose or you have say you have 10 games left with without springer if you lose four to five of them you're then going into september needing to win pretty much every game in order to make up ground for what you did lose and if that's the case, if that does happen with Springer and the Blue Jays don't have that that monstrous guy at the top of their lineup, it probably will just ruin their their chances of making the playoffs. And it's really only the wild card at this point. I mean, the Rays, they, I think they did lose a couple games over the weekend. Yankees and Red Sox are just above the Blue Jays in both of those standings. If the Blue Jays overtake both of them and make the wild card, they're probably not going to overtake first place as well in the AL East, but if they're able to win games, I still think it would be tough because they're not playing the Red Sox anymore. They do have, I think, a couple series against the Yankees, but you have to bank on the Red Sox losing to other teams as well as Oakland. I mean, and Seattle, they're only a game behind the Blue Jays now. You now have a lot of teams that you're going to need to assume are going to lose their games and that you're going to win those games in order to qualify for the playoffs. And if you lose, you have, you have a, 15 out of 10 momentum going into the month of August with your July 30th homestand and now that's cut in half you you just you lose all your momentum losing key guys you're losing games too that I think will destroy their their odds of making it and I hope that's not the case I mean it's it's interesting how a a couple weeks ago we said that they have like a 60 something percent chance to make the playoffs and now it's down to 30 by those same people that reported it or that that calculated it it easily could go back up. I mean, they have another homestand. Could change with or without Springer, but I think without Springer, it changes for the worst. And it'll be a tough homestand without him. It'll be a tough end of the season. But if without George Springer, I do think that the Blue Jays are a significantly worse team and they're going to need... Unless somebody comes up and is, is you know, maybe Guerrero hits 350 again... Maybe that changes things, but I wouldn't bank on that. You still need your your leadoff guy. You still need your leadoff guy that can hit home runs. I mean, that's something that we're forgetting. And, and Springer is one of the best players on this team. And without him, I, I I do think it's it's fair to assume that playoff odds are they might not say zero as of right now, but they'll go low enough to the point that it's it's unrealistic unless you go on a a, a streak where you don't lose a single game. So it'll be tough not the end of the season or not the end not the end of August that I think a lot of people were expecting or hoping but as of right now let's just hope for the best see what happens with Springer maybe he's back soon maybe he's not but if he's not then might be a very sad I think end to what seemed to be a very good season yeah it it's hard because if he does go on I'm not willing to rule I'm not willing to count them out I'm not going to say it's over I think anything can happen but of course on paper you know, by feelings and all of that, it definitely doesn't look good and it definitely diminishes day in and day out if he does go on the injury list. So it's going to be crucial here within the week. You know, there's not much more to say about it because we really don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, if if he's not in the lineup, we know the difference and we know that the chances go are lower. But I'm not going to say 
they're completely finished because we've seen many things happen. Like uh, we've seen crazy things happen. And of course I know you hate to rely on other teams losing or other teams to help you out in terms of beating teams that you're behind. But you know, teams like the Red Sox, I know they had a good weekend. I know they put up a lot of runs, but they swept Baltimore, but you know, I, I don't know if beating Baltimore solves their issues just like that. So we'll see what happens with them next. The Yankees can always fall apart. You have a chance against Oakland. You know, a lot of it's also going to rely on or depend on how these other teams do. And it's going to go vice versa. And it obviously go for the Jays as well for them. So that's why there's a lot of factors here. But George Springer is one of the biggest factors for that for sure. But, you know, I, I still don't think we're at the point, even if he goes on the injury list. And again, who knows how long it's for because they could make it retroactive. To, but I don't, I don't think we're at the point yet to completely shut down the idea that they get in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens from there. But, you know, there's been lots of winnable games that they continue to lose even at this point in the season. I think um, we saw that in this road trip, a couple winnable games that they could have easily had, which makes it even more frustrating. So, um, you know, you have a couple more, you have two games to potentially end it off on a winning note because uh, right now they're three and four on this current road trip. And then all of a sudden you're back for another good homestand and, you know, things can go up from there as well. So it'll be uh, crucial this these next two games against the Nationals. And then, of course, scoreboard watching. We'll see what happens with the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the A's as well within the next couple of days. So a lot, a lot of things to, un, you know, a lot of different possibilities and a lot of things that's going to pan out these next, uh, or especially this week for sure. Okay, just a little bit of quick math. I'm not sure if I've done it correctly, but the Jays have about 45 games left. In the season, if all the other teams ahead of them go 500, um, they have to pick up four and a half games. Let's call it five games in the standings. They have to go 28 and 17 over that span, which is a 622 winning percentage to make the postseason. That's if every other team goes 500. If Oakland plays at their current pace, if every team plays at their current place, including Oakland, which of course holds the first wild card spot right now, the Jays will have to go 31 and 14 to pass them, which is a 688 winning percentage over the next 45 games. So, like, these numbers aren't impossible. It's just you have a very thin margin for error. And I think if you're losing George Springer, that margin for error disappears. So, that's, you know, it's, it's all doom and gloom. And we could come back next series and find out George Springer's fine. He's playing on Friday. The Jays are going back home. They rattle off another nice win streak. Um, they pick up ground in that head-to-head series against Oakland. Like, it's possible, and it's not out of the picture. It's just dependent on a lot of factors, I think, at this point. So we will see. It sounds like, Bryson, you're a little bit more optimistic than Jacob and I. Um, fingers crossed you're right. I'm praying to be wrong in this situation, but who knows. Um, okay, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? All good. Just need some wins. Yeah, that's what we need. If anything in this series, I think if the Jays split this series against Washington, that's not good. Like against a team that's just sold off every good player they have, you got to sweep it. Um, So that's what we're praying for. That's what we're hoping for. Two games against Washington before the Jays head back home. And we will talk to you after that series. But until then, you can rate and view our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can find our episodes on youtube as well if you don't if you want to watch our podcast and lastly you can follow us on instagram and twitter at section 138 pod all right thanks to everyone who listened to this episode we'll catch you after the two games against washington talk to you then